Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today. Welcome to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Raw's own little festival of football continued with a maroon matchup against ladder leaders Sydney FC on Friday night. It might have ended without a goal, but fans were still treated to an entertaining contest. Welcome to the SAS Ognanovsky episode 19 of the Brisbane Football Review. And it's our first match day recording session as the Raw are in Shanghai for an Asian Champions League qualifier, which kicks off in a few hours. I'm your very happy host, James Coughlin, here to take you through the next hour or so. And I'm joined by my two moderately satisfied co-hosts in Scott Owen and Adam Pace. I have just one question for you. Do you believe in miracles? Well, clearly you do. <laughs> it depends, depends what miracle. We're talking about the one that's happened or the one that may happen. I, I suppose as far as Raw go, yeah, you should believe in miracles. We've had a few of them. Yeah, well, we are. All, I was also referencing Monday's Super Bowl, which I'm still gloating about <laughs> off air, by the way. This is the Brisbane Football Review, not the Boston Football Review. Just remember that. I, well, I was actually going to tie it into Brisbane Football <laughs> and say between the Patriots giving me a heart attack on Monday and the way the Raw always win their championships, I don't think I'm going to make it to 30 at this rate. <laughs> but yeah, guys, how are you? Bad yeah, good week. Yes. All right, well, we've got a very busy show, so let's go on to the A-League recap. If anyone tells you football is boring because nobody scores, show them the footage from Friday night as Michael Theo and Danny Vukovic put on a classic goalkeeping display to keep the game scoreless. It just means that someone else is going to have to break Sydney FC's unbeaten streak, but sometimes you've just got to be happy you saw an entertaining game. I was. Scott, were you? I was highly entertained by it, but I walked out thinking, oh, I just wish we'd scored one of those chances we had because some of the chances the Raw had in the second half were absolutely fantastic. But you've got to pay credit to Sydney FC's defence because every time the Royal had a half a half chance like that, they'd fling themselves at the ball like it was a grand final last minute to protect the lead. That's like the way they were defending, and you've got to give them credit for that. But you're right, it was an absolutely fantastic game to watch. I think you can walk away with two, two sort of things. The one, obviously Sydney are the real deal. They're, going to, they're more than likely going to be premiers, and you know, who knows beyond that. But also as well, I think from the Royal side of view, if there's any questions whether that they are sort of in that elite group that you know going for the title, if Sydney were to sort of drop their bundle at some point between you know in the final series, the Raw might be in it. So I think you know overall, I think you know positives from all round. Yeah, I think the one big takeaway from this is that the Raw can match Sydney when they're on their day. That's taking nothing away from Sydney; they were phenomenally well drilled, and as you said, Scott, they were so desperate. Went at the back trying to keep the roar out. And that was the roar on the back of a three-game in six-day run, basically, as well. They weren't exactly fresh fully for this game. But they as were... Well, so that, that was an extra bit of a feather in their cap to be able to push Sydney that well, given everything they've had to go through last week. And it's not like it was easy conditions either. Like, I know you were watching at home, weren't you, Adam? Yeah, I was, but yes. It was really muggy it in was, that stadium. Yeah. Like, it's been... I think we've had, what, three straight weeks of 32-plus degree days now, and... It's just really adding up, and you can imagine it would have taken a toll on some of the guys like Jade North, which have been playing a lot. You'd think so, yeah, because it was really hot, you're right, on Friday night. No, I just think it was a high-quality game, you know, and that's what you expect for two teams in the top four. So, you know, I think, you know, I think you, other than the score, and I said, just at the top of the, uh, in your recap, is that, you know, not always a nil-all score means boring. So, I think this is the exception to the rule. It was a defensive struggle, I'd say, but it was... 34 shots, the keepers just kill all the fun, don't they? Mm. Well, Some of the saves from both goalkeepers, you've got to give them tremendous credit for that. Well, the double save from Michael Theo, where we what, tapped it up in the air and then... 
I, I was watching, and from my seat, you have no depth perception, so you wonder, did he tip yeah. it over the bar? Is it still going to fall yeah. down for a header or something? Like, you've got to give them so much credit. It's the same problem when you're at the other end of the stadium as well. Absolutely no depth perception <laughs> of what's happening. It's just, he's tipped it. I thought he tipped it over the bar as well. I, I can tell I can tell on, on TV it looks spectacular. It was like, it, it was, yeah, it's, one of the, it's almost like, a, you know, an ice hockey sort of, you know, you know take, take sort of the puck sort of... Uh, you know, glove catch. So it was just, yeah, it'd be probably one of the, you know, top five saves, perhaps, you know, in, in history almost. Uh, there, might, there might be A-league more. history, yeah. probably. A-league history, yeah, of course. But, uh, well, actually, you sort of wonder, Theo's had a string of really impressive saves this year, let alone in previous seasons with the victory and with the Raw. So you wonder where that would actually rank on his highlight reel. I have to say it's back to his best, actually, Michael Theo. So given the last couple of years he's had injury ravaged. I mean, this year, you're right, he's had a couple of really good games. The last time Sydney FC came up here early in the year, he had a tremendous amount of saves. The week after that, the West Sydney game, I think it was 10 saves or something. He's clearly back to his best right now, which is really good for the Raw because you need a top goalkeeper if you're going you're to contend in these games at the end of the year. He's definitely earning his paycheck. And obviously, Danny Vukovic was really yeah. on his game as well. Question I asked in the fan cams post-game, Adam. Who do you think had the better game? Look, oh, it's hard to split. I think, um, I think you just got to say that you know both are as equally as good as the other. I'm not. I'm not being you know, a couple of days later. I'm not too attuned with the stats or who grabbed more saves. But just looking at from sort of just the eyeball test. Yeah, pretty much. I'd say you know what it was. Why is not you say? Oh, it's going to take something very special to beat either keeper. And I think it's and that's what we got in the end. I thought Theo's saves are more spectacular. But given what we now know about Danny Vukovic's last few mm. weeks, I mean. To be able to pull a performance like that after what, he, what he's been through with his, his child is spectacular. And also, full credit to the Raw players in the pre-match mm. tunnel as well. That was really good. That was see. a really good piece of camera work yeah. from Fox yeah. Sports where they actually captured, was it Mackay and Theo just asking him how yeah. his son yeah. was going? Yeah. And It's a nice little bit of professional respect because I think we've seen, you know, in other points in time this weekend and this season where players have been kind of going at each other. But I think at the end of the day, it shows these guys are actual, you know, well, mature grown-ups. It's a close league as well, really, when you think about it. There's only 10 teams, and mm. most of the players have been here since day one. They all know each other pretty well. Yeah, well, those guys like Mackay and Theo and Vukovic, they've been around the A-League for so long. They're basically living out of each other's mm. pockets most yeah. of the time as well. So that was really good. Now, away from the goalkeepers, I thought Sydney probably had the better of the midfield for the most part. I thought the movement they showed had probably Mackay and Christensen chasing a little bit, especially early on. Did you see any of that? Yeah, but I also saw them hacking a lot as well. Brandon <laughs> O'Neill is... I don't understand how he gets away with some of the stuff he does, to be honest with you. But it's not exactly subtle either. No, but again, it's it's almost like maybe they know how to take advantage yeah. of which referees, which I thought... Peter they're Green's... really good at breaking down transitions. Mm. That's, as we talked about last week, with um, they're really good at in transition and they're good at breaking it up as well. And I think the way modern football is going, transitions are absolutely a key part of the game. And Sydney FC, at the moment, the best in the league at exploiting it both ways. And this is just pure anecdotal observations from my part, but Peter Green, the referee, I thought he's always been fairly lenient with cards, likes to let guys yeah. play. And look, I've got no complaints with how he handled the game for the most part. Yeah, no, look, he, I, I thought he was, for the most part, pretty anonymous and all. You know, there wasn't really any big controversial blow-up decisions. Look, there's always you're always going to have your 50-50s. But I, I thought, you know, he handled the game pretty well. And, and I think the, the flow of the game sort of reflected that. Mm. And... You know, there are a couple of early chances for the Raw, but I have to say, the front three, I kind of felt like their first touch really let them down, and it's something that is probably a little bit problematic across the A-League, where that first touch isn't quite consistently at the standard you need it to be. It might have cost them a, a couple of chances in the second half, but I, I can't fault the way any of the Raw players played in this game, I thought. Given everything mm. that's happened, 
and the way, given who they're playing, I thought it was a tremendous performance. They were just incredibly unlucky. Although you also say Sydney FC were unlucky as well. Yeah, they had their share of chance too. It was one of those games that really should have ended four all. The the, <laughs> the reaction the reaction of of Alex Brosk when when uh, hit the save of Theo that was just priceless. It's, like, it's almost like you know, seeing a ghost saying, "Yeah, what can I do?" And that, that's that pretty much I guess sums up sums up that whole game. Well, it was one of those games where you know you tend to see maybe one keeper have that sort of game but to see both like it was one of those shows you could really just sit back and enjoy yeah it was one of those, had it gone for another two hours it would have been absolutely compelling probably still would have been nil all the way the two keepers were going but it would have been tremendous entertainment mm. now Tommy Orr I thought he was insanely good like he really stepped up and he, we've criticised him a lot this year he hasn't quite produced enough of an end product to match maybe his work rate but he really looks a lot more comfortable lately. I think so, and I, I just think the only thing that is missing from you know, his resume, especially recently, is is you know a have full of goals. Like I say he scored one, but um, yeah, like I say he he is putting a lot of work in, and look, he's he's integral to you know the raw sort of resurgence in the last sort of month or so. He was very good on Friday. That was probably his best performance since he's been back. Now, one funny moment I actually noticed right before the end of the first half, Sydney were lining up for a corner and Theo turned to the ref and said, ah, how long's that stoppage time been? <laughs> and Peter Green said, oh yeah, that's right, half time, let's go guys. They were really <laughs> slow taking their set pieces actually, Sydney FC, because I think it was the centre-back, the new guy coming up and taking him. Yeah, that was really strange seeing the centre-back actually having to work his way up, because yeah. that's, usually it's, you know, a central mid or one of the wingers, you know, those sort of flare, pay, flare players, but what was his name, Bougie? Uh, uh, Joy, I think they both pronounced it Boyce. Boyce. Geordie Boyce. Okay. Uh, that's how... B-O-Y-C-E. Is the phonetic spelling. Yeah. But yeah, I thought it, like he actually could hit a really good free kick and that was one of those things they were talking about when they signed him. That's probably one of the biggest areas that Sydney FC had in the game was chances from set pieces. That's where they got most of their best chances. Like he, uh, Boyce was very unlucky. That I'm not sure if you guys saw it at the ground, but you know that, that one that Theo saved, he was very unlucky. Mm. Yeah, that was a very, very good strike. Well, there was... It wasn't a totally clean game from controversy. There was an incident in the second half where Thomas Broich was going for a header and actually wound up getting kicked in the head. Vukovic directed the ball onto the cross. That was a great save from Vukovic as well, mm, by the way. Pure reactions. Was it a penalty, Adam? Because <sighs> we've seen... Like, yeah, you know what? I, I'm, I, can live, I can live with it not being called... Given, given sort of you know, what's going on with sort of that interpretation, you know, is the keeper fair game or whatnot? Look, I'm, it's it's fifty fifty. You know, I wouldn't have had to be obviously being advantage raw. I've we've been happy to see it being penalty, but you know what? I can also live with it not being given. So well, it's just one of those ones where yeah. The thing that really stood out to me from that though was um, it kind of reminded me of Lauren Koscielny against I want to say Burnley a couple of weeks ago where he got Spot kicked the in Arsenal the Arsenal fan. Where? Oh yeah, that's <laughs> right. But I, it kind of just reminded me of that little thing where the defender had his foot really high in the air and you know but. The one thing that I say will probably stop it being a penalty on Broach was he was sort of leaning down to get to the header. And look, if you're going to evaluate the referee, I'm fine with that. I agree with both of you. I'm happy for that to be given play on because he did actually get a chance away as well. And, and so he, I'm happy to go with that ruling from the referee. And they did kick Broach in the nose, which is actually quite a sizable target. <laughs> but thankfully, Broach was okay and able to carry on. And again, he was another player that I thought actually had a really good game. Look, he's he's been he's actually been you know, very good, you know, sort of the last month or so when we start thinking, you know, he might be on the way a little bit because age, he just keeps on on producing, you know, and I, I think the thing totally as a, as a squad at the moment, I think we should be very very happy where the Raw are at. And I think look, Aloisi's squad management has received a lot of negative comments on social media and whatnot, shockingly, because every comment on yeah. social media is negative, mm. probably. 
But um, I think the way he's managed Broich so far has been really encouraging because I think he knows Broich is still one of the best players in the squad, but he's not quite at that you know 90 minutes for 27 weeks and finals anymore. I think it's almost like they've planned to bring him in playing regularly at this time from here on through the end of the year because this is where it's get really busy for the Raw. You've got far more matches and far more meaningful matches that will decide the final table. And it makes sense if you've got a fit and fresh Thomas Broich now instead of one who's waning with fatigue, you're a far better side. And if we are, I suppose, looking forward a little bit, I wouldn't be surprised to see him sit out one or both of the trips to Perth. I think he'll be definitely sitting out this weekend too. But mm. We'll get to that. Well, yeah, except he'll be one of the few ones sitting out for rest as opposed to something else. <laughs> <laughs> now, post-match, there was actually a fair few complaints about the state of the pitch, and I was quite surprised that like outside 90.com who are you know helping us out with the fan network they published an article with a lot of complaints about the quality of the pitch were you surprised to see that i haven't even seen this story just yeah, saying no, i'm it was not a bit surprised of a ca- though i mean i mean no suncor is not the best ground in ter- at the moment in terms of the playing surface but i think it's better than what it has been that's what i thought that's what it's ridden recovering there were still a few chunks getting yeah. kicked up from time to time and a few players slipping yeah. but Compared to what it was before Christmas, I think... I hate to see... It. Was it Sydney FC complaining, were they? No, no, it was just fans all oh, over. Okay. Like, it was Brisbane, oh. Sydney, Adelaide, Perth, Guatemala. <laughs> oh, look, at the end of the day, you know what? It, it depends on sort of what, what they're seeing as a benchmark. You know, it's, sometimes you've you got to start thinking... Like, the complaints are justified, you know, early in the season, you know, after the concert. But, you know, at some point, you've got to say, look, it's a football pitch. You know, it, it may be a bit bumpy and all that, but, you know, we... We've got we live in a reality where it is a multi-purpose venue. If we're going to start critiquing about you know, you know, oh, beautiful flat pitches, then you know what we need our own stadium. But that's might be, very, might be very bumpy after this weekend too, mm. given mm-hmm. the events on there. Yeah, yeah, the rugby union global tens, which yeah. something like that. Yeah, forty something rugby games in two days. That'll be fun. Look, I, I love rugby union. I love football. The global tens just seems absolutely unnecessary to me. Uh, contrived, no. Yeah, it, no, like, no offense to rugby fans, but yeah. Oh look, sevens, awesome. Super rugby and international fifteens, awesome. Tens, huh? It's a big bash all over again. Yeah. Now, maybe one of the contributing factors to a small crowd of thirteen thousand and ninety-five. Do you think it was just a case of a busy sporting calendar at the moment with Brisbane? Uh, 3,000 of three games, you know. Yeah, it's... Look, I think it might be one of those things where, you know, it's far... Like I said, it's a small membership base uh, this year. Look, maybe we should be, you know, thankful getting 13, you know. Like I said, that's, you know, 5,000 members, you know, 8,000, nearly 9,000 walk-ups. So, well, that's why individually, so, you know... James, what happened? What happened to the State of Origin-themed extravaganza we were expecting? 30,000 people. (laughs) I was actually genuinely surprised. Before the game, everyone was in an orange jersey. I don't think they really pushed it as much as they did last time. I think they can stop wasting their time with it, to be brutally honest I think think, think actually most of the fans seem through it, I think. I'll give you a couple of raw numbers. So the average crowd against Sydney FC for the first 11 seasons, (laughs) 17,890. The two this year, 17,332 and 13,095. So they're both lower than the average, and the average is now down to 17,592. Those numbers are based on the official A-League Brisbane Raw numbers put out. Well, I'm just feeling really unprepared so, with the amount of show prep Scott's done there. So, yeah, I mean, I think we can put to bed this whole, this whole idea that people would get behind Brisbane Raw versus Sydney FC as an origin contest, because it's clearly not working. And on that note, I think we're going to draw a close on segment one of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back with segment two right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com.
Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back to segment two of the Brisbane Football Review here in the Switch 1197 studios for the Outside 90 Fan Network. It's James Scott and Adam with you today, and we're going to take a look around some of the scores from the weekend in Australian football. So we've got the A-League. First game was Wellington against Western Sydney Wanderers, which finished 3-1 to the Wanderers. Were you a little bit surprised by this, Scott? A little bit, but Wanderers have kind of started to show some form to me in the last couple of weeks. Obviously, the Sydney Derby, they were very sort unlucky to lose to us, and I think this, if this is the start of them turning it around towards the end of the season, teams might want to look out. Because if they do get into the finals in six, they could cause a bit of trouble from there. But I do think they played well in this game. How much do you reckon they'd be hoping for a uh, Sydney Derby grand final at this rate? I think that the West Sydney Wanderers would love to play Sydney FC in a semi-final or something. I think Sydney FC would be dreading it, particularly if they're still unbeaten. But in this game, Nico Martinez and Brendan Sandalab were absolutely brilliant for Sandalab didn't get sent off? Not this week. No, actually, the one that did get sent off was Shane Smeltz. He did, yes. Um, yeah, no, like I said... I, Again, the heckle and jive. Uh, Jekyll, Jekyll, Jekyll and Hyde. Sorry. <laughs> Put that in the year blue for real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of, of, the, of the Wellington Finks come back. And only their third loss um, away from Westpac. This game was played at um, in uh, New Plymouth. So, so yeah. So, only their third loss away from home. And uh, yeah. they were actually... They were, the Knicks were actually... You know, they weren't very very good, I think. Um, but mind you, Western Sydney were very good. Question with that nurse, Adam, is that like a super rugby stadium? Because that was really good. I didn't mind that place that I played. It's not a regular one. Um, I know the um, Waikato Chiefs play out of there. Um, and okay. for a long time before that, Wellington uh, Hurricanes did. But um, yeah, the bull ring, as they call it. But it's okay. a, actually a really nice stadium. Yeah, it, was, it looked pretty cool from what I saw mm. as well. But the weird thing was, though, Wellington were playing in their dark kit. I think it was like all black or something. And Western Sydney were in their... Well, it was both away kits, pretty yeah. much. It's nothing will ever be worse than when they wore their white kit and Vic- no, they wore their grey kit and Victory wore their white kit last oh. year on the painted surface in Auckland. That was the worst. Yeah, which after a few steps actually started to look a little bit grey itself. Yeah, that was fun. All right, now this one I feel like is going to take a little bit of time. Victory City two-one victory. What a finish! Like the first hour was snooze fest, yeah. and then everything just sort of kicked off. Yeah, as soon as that penalty was thought to Bessar Barisha, it just it took off. This game, it was an absolute. Thrilling finish the way it went. Would you take Borussia off penalties? He's missed a fair few lately. I think so. I think maybe just just one. Like so it, it's not it's not like that. You know they haven't got dearth of you know of you know of attacking talent. Yeah, like I yeah. said, so, you know I'm sure you now Marco Rojas or a, even Ben Carfalla, you know, one of them. Troisi, yeah, like I said, I, James Donerkey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think just to give just to give him a spell. I think so. But maybe they send Lawrence Thomas out there. According to Melbourne Victory fans, he does pretty much everything else. Do you think? No, see, you know, he got a bit of a, he's got you know, a good yeah. boot on him. So, Yeah, so final goal. There was a huge uproar over it. Was it offside? Because the ball was played in, and I think it was Manny Musket slid in and deflected it in for an own goal. So, Adam, we're going to lead off with you here. Goal or no goal? Common sense, I'd say goal. Um, at, the end of, at the end of the day, you know, it's one of, it's one of those ones where you've yeah, you know, the, the, the those are saying that you know I read the the laws almost you know to to the letter, it, the, but at the end of the day, you know, Manny Musket comes across whether you know Brisha is in an offside position or not. So it's it's one of those ones where yeah, I don't know if he does though. Like I I feel like he saw Barisha was there, clearly didn't process quick enough that it was offside and just got in the way and thought I've got to. 
I've got to stop Barisha getting the ball. Yeah, I think that's a natural defender's reaction as well. And to me, it is a goal. And as a defender, you're always taught to play the whistle. So that's mm. why I don't understand. You just you just got to go for that. And yeah, it's it, an unfortunate deflection for Manny Musket, but I think it's. I think that's it, just the way it is. Unfortunately, a lot, I think it's a lot goal. of the arguments were about you know obviously oh was it a distraction was it you know you know was it you know the you know Barisha being offside position but there was clearly you know a couple of meters between them. Like it's not like it's not like they were jostling contesting for the ball. If they, if they, if they would, then that's a different story. If they if they were putting the you know the distraction argument and whatnot, but. Uh, Look, I just think, you know, if that's, that's the common sense. Look, I'm sure that, you know, there's, there's people out there that will try and read us the rules and all that. And look, they're, they're entitled to do that. But I think at the end of the day, I think you'd have a lot more people scratching their heads saying, why was it called offside? Than people saying, oh, why well, was given a goal? And that's, and that's what we need in the game is a bit of common sense. But also, the letter of the law says if he's interfering with play. And the question for me is, was Barisha interfering with play causing reactions due to his position? And for me, that's why I would have yep. called it offside because... Again, Musket, I don't think, would have slid in there if Barisha wasn't... I that's, think he still would have slid in because it's mm. a defender's instinct to get in and intercept the ball, but... Mm. That, that's the one. I think that's the, that's the big argument. And, then, and when you try and, th- try and think of the mindset of a defender in that situation, you're not going to get clear answers. So I just think, yeah. I, I, I actually think that there are more people who are saying, yes, it's a goal, than people saying, no, it's not because of technicality. Yeah, well, I think we all know on this show when fans of neither Melbourne team, to be honest, like, love the Talking no, City cool talk and about. Victory podcast, but yeah, oh, I just no, I, I can't, I can't find a legitimate way to interpret that as a goal. Yeah, man. But Very yeah, that and funnily enough, that was where everything started to kick off because Dean Bazanis yes. uh, had a few words for Barisha after that, yes, and we're not going to repeat that. We should probably say breaking news: um, he has been suspended for a minimum of five weeks for racial. Is I think was the official. Hang on, just keep talking. I'll open it up on. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So he like because those two have been going back and forth. Forth, there was a bit of history going back to the first derby. Yeah. Look, that, and look, the thing is that it's hard to feel sympathy for Dean Mazanis because you know it's not like it's he's he's, a he's yeah he's not he's not a mild man thing. It's just that got. Then so, you know, we've seen him on numerous occasions, you know, getting the faces of you know of coaches running over and you know getting the referees' faces. So you know what, I think it tipped over, and I think finally he's done or said something that's really sort of you know got him in trouble. And you know what, I hope he look he's a great he's a good keeper and all. Now I'm sure he's a nice guy, but I think this whole sort of you know angry attitude, I think this may put him in a check, and he'll have he'll have five weeks to think about it. I think. Well, oh that's right, I remember him going after uh, Ross Aloisi in the game in December. Yeah, so give him ten. One. That's what I was about give, to say. Give yeah. him ten. Scott? Yeah, okay, so it's breaking news. He's been suspended for the minimum sanction of five weeks and it's got brackets one plus four. So it would have been deemed a red card offence on the field had yep. it have been mm-hmm. noticed and then an additional four. on an extra four, yep. Yeah, I think that's... Well, if they are trying to stamp those sorts of comments out of the game, then go for it. Well, that's, that's the one thing is that, you know, and, and Scott and I were talking about this uh, off air before the, ga- before the podcast, and it's one of those things where, you know, what there is a bit of, you know, the question out there is, is the term, you know, quote, gypsy... Is it racist or is it not? Well, you know, the thing is, is that in this society, in this day and age, you just, you just can't do that. You know, you can just call him an idiot. That's yeah, a pretty safe Exactly. Bear. You can call me, you can call me, there's a, there's a million derogatory other words you could probably use to, you know, to, I'm sure, I'm sure we've all said that about Barisha. I've called him one of the Backstreet Boys when he yeah. had the frosted tips. <laughs> but that's, a, that's the thing, isn't that? But to, to sort of even get on that territory and all that, he, unfortunately, I think he deserves, you know, to, to get what he's given. And, you know, people can argue the cows come home about, you know, oh, whether the word gypsy is actually a racist slur or anything like that. But at the end of the day, if society doesn't accept it, then, you know what, 
the, the FFA have got no other choice because you could imagine if they let him off, mm. that imagine the, the hell. And the last thing he needs is more bad publicity for the FFA at this time. And it actually almost feels like it was a Twitter-driven suspension because... I don't think many people would have picked up on it, except for a couple of sharp lip readers that said, "Hang on." You sure? Did you? You didn't see the footage on the TV? Yeah. Well, I. It was pretty. pretty I, clear I was. To I was what he was saying. I was more focused on the expletives that he was saying. But and then after that, Tim Cahill got red carded despite not actually being yes, on the pitch. Using another expletive, a bit different. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think he called Chris. Chris Beath was the referee. I think he called I, him a something something disgrace. Was or, it? The, I can't remember if it was him or the fourth official, but. No, I, I think from, from what I recall from that, it was actually, I think it was directed at Chris Beath. Um, he said, look at the big screen, quote, and then you effing disgrace. No, and look, and I, and I think, you know what, if that's, if that, and, he, and, apparently, and, and uh, Tim Cahill has admitted actually saying that, so he quoted to Mark Bosnich, um, and, yep. which was reported on shootout. But um, look, if, that's, if that's, that's what he said, you know what, there, there's no, like I said, he's happily taken the one match ban, so... Mm. Although I think if you are going to start spending everybody that swears at a referee, we're going to have some very mm. low number games coming yeah, you're up. Gonna, in, particularly in like juniors, like you're going to get some juniors sent off real quick. In, cause but yeah. hey, that's you've, got, you've that, got to make a stand. Yeah, yeah, and, and the biggest, yeah. if, you, if you're if you're punishing the biggest icon in this in, yeah. the, in the game at the moment for doing something like that, you can bet that you now hopefully it will trickle down and say, you know what, that's yeah. not acceptable. And that's it's why not. you would suspend a Tim Cahill for his and, language. And you know what? I'd give him an extra game for saying, look at the big screen. Yeah, you can't do that. Can't do that. Like Cahill's been playing for what 17, 18 plus years now. Mm. Surely you know there's no video review. Like, what? What's wrong with James, you? James, calm yeah. down. Like, <laughs> how, how stupid can you get to not know the rules? <laughs> anyway, okay. No, that's, and that goes the same with um, Ivan Franjic making his comments after the game about that. You know, saying oh, all the experts know. Well, I think all the experts. Most of them disagreed with him. So, uh, look, you know, he needs to... Look, I, I, look, I commend uh, his passion. He's not the first time he said something outlandish. But, yeah, I think, you know, making, making some bold claims like that, he might need to temper that back, unfortunately. The one thing that did kind of surprise me, though, was Cahill accepting the suspension. I was actually half expecting him to throw someone from the victory bench underneath, saying, oh, no, it was the assistant coach that said that, not Cahill. So he's actually able to yeah, keep it was, playing. It was J.P. Marini. <laughs> Again. <laughs> <laughs> now, there were actually some other games going on this weekend after the derby, but we just really had to get into that because it was unbelievable theatre. Perth played Newcastle 3-2. Perth taking advantage of another home game. Diego Castro was really the difference. Where would you think he ranks among A-League players right I think now? There's another question for Adam, given a Twitter spat you had during the week. <laughs> yes. I was quite active on social media. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. No, like there was, um, I think, I'm sure he's a Perth fan, sort of saying, he made the tweet after the game that, you know, that Diego Castro is the best import ever. <laughs> and I, and I, had to, I had to correct him and say, well, no, and even, and even so, like, it, it, even to consider saying, oh, that, you know, Diego Castro may, will probably win the Johnny Warren medal again. I said, well, that's still three tiles less than uh, Rogers got, so. And until Diego Castro actually does some work, when his team doesn't have the ball. He can't be the best player because, like, I've seen him yeah. multiple times at Suncorp Stadium and he's just dawdling around like, oh, yeah, whatever, they've got the ball, I don't care. That really bugs me. Mm. To answer the actual question, to Adam's point, Broich also has two Johnny Warren medals anyway and mm. three championships and a whole bunch of other stuff. And to answer the question, there are a number of foreign players who you would put slightly above a Diego Roy Castro has. at the moment, namely Bessart Bruce and Thomas Broich for two, and that's just in relation to Brisbane Raw. Yeah, uh, I think you've got to win some silverware to be put into this category so. no matter how good you but are. But look, let's, let's not make me say, he, he is a darn good player. Oh, absolutely that's, he is. That, no, that's not, we're not trying to denigrate you know, Jagger Castro either, but I think I the, am. the best... The, <laughs> Yeah. I know we know your relationship with and hello to with our friends at Far Post Perth at this moment. 
But I, I, like I said, but yeah, to call him the best ever without without one trophy, I think yeah, it's a bit. No, who knows in a couple of years' time? Who knows? If he's still here. Yeah, this is a topic also that carries over from another sport, but you've got to win something, like some sort of team silverware championship to be considered one of the greatest. Mm, five, Sorry, Dan Marino. Five, five rings, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, why not go for six? That's two references so far. <laughs> oh, I'm going for one every segment, so brace yourself. Central Coast played Adelaide on Sunday afternoon. Are the Mariners gearing up for a late finals run? Oh, they possibly could be, actually, because they've made... They've, Hitting some good form. The problem is for them on the road, they're not as good. I know they won in Canberra here, but away from home, they're not the best. I think this weekend could be a good test for them. But in this game, I think they hit a side that was clearly struggling in Adelaide. You know, they're in a bit of flux at the moment. They're just now strengthening their side for the Champions League. Brought a couple of players in this week. I think they got a, they got a weak opponent at a good time. But fair play to the Mariners because they're a much better side than they were last year. All right, so we're going to move on to the W League semis right now. Perth absolutely smashed Sydney. Are you surprised it was by that much, Adam? Um, look, it was, it was a close game for, for a while, but then um, Perth are so well, as they've done actually most of the season, you know, when they get on a bit of a roll. So I'm, I'm actually a little, I'm a little surprised as far as the margin, but then again, Sydney have been copped a few beatings of late, and I think, yeah, I think they were at the end of their season. I think yeah. they, they probably peaked a little too early. Yeah, I think Sydney were kind of fading towards the end of the year. And the result on Sunday night actually means that Perth are going to be hosting the grand final. So no complaints about the venue from our friends out west there. <laughs> Uh, it was 1-0 to Melbourne City, who are still in the mix to defend their title. Yeah. Went to extra time, but the big talking point was an elbow from Lisa Devanner on, I believe it was Jeff, Jess Fishlock, mm. which, because there's no match review panel in the W League, means there's not going to be any sort of suspension. This was a great game, too, between mm. two mm. sides which were playing really good attacking football, and Canberra were desperately unlucky not to win the game, but there had to be a loser. And It almost was similar to the game last year when the Raw went down to Melbourne in the semi-final. Just gave it everything yeah. they could and just ran out of gas. Yeah. Yeah, look, the thing is, just going back to the um, the Lisa Devanna, you know, Jess Fishlock incident, you know, it's, we, we were blowing up the Lux, you know, either way about uh, Mackenzie Arnold, you know, getting, you know, she getting sent off for something else is a lot less than that. And this is, and this is a real problem that the W League has, is that, you know, how can, you, how can that escape punishment? You know, it's just one of those things where the FFA need to start treating the W League with a little bit more dignity and a little bit more sort of balance that they do to... In competitive A League, because it, it, it is fast. I, I, I almost reckon that, you know, a few people that watch it in the States, where obviously there's a, just as big a following, but thinking, how on earth does, you know, Lister Van get away with that? So, we're, we're, I, I didn't see the game, so I don't know if it was sort of malicious or anything like that, or there's anything but history behind it, but yeah, not having MRP is a real problem. Yeah, well, that's something that I think is going to probably be a big talking point throughout the off-season is just how the treatment of the W League compares to the A-League and other women's sports from around Australia. I Scott? I think so as well. But, I mean, this game, it was, it was a good crowd as well down in Canberra for this game, an 8pm kickoff local time. It obviously finished late. It was a good crowd there in attendance for this game as well. So it was a good day down in Canberra. All right, now we're going to finish off with predictions for the W League Grand Final. It is Sunday, 4.30pm Perth time at NIB Stadium. I'm going to endear myself to the fans out west and say I think the Perth Glory women are going to win this quite convincingly. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think um, the, the aura of invincibility of Melbourne City is gone. I think um, yeah, Perth are on a roll and I think they'll roll, keep on rolling. Well, I'm going to disagree with both of you because I just think that Melbourne City have hit form at the right time again. They were clearly the favourites to defend their title this year. They've, we all thought it would be in Melbourne again this year. They've got to go on the road and do it. I think they'll get the job done over in Perth. So if you're listening to us out west, that's Scott, not James. <laughs> <laughs> and that's I'm just doing myself to our friends at Talking City, all right? Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> well, got, yeah, it's about, it's about to be fair and reasonable around here. That's it. All right, that's going to do it for segment two of the Brisbane Football Review. That was a quite busy segment. We'll be back after this to discuss some of the news that's going on.
You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Studios for segment three of the Brisbane Football Review, part of the Outside 90 Fan Network. It's James Scott and Adam here with you, first tonight now, Yeah. <laughs> given the time we've taken to get these first two segments recorded. We're going to uh, look around some of the news that's going through with the Raw and Australian football and pretty much anything else that tickles our fancy, really. And the first one kind of came out Monday morning while I was a little bit distracted, but you guys handled it quite admirably. Yeah. Dimi Petrados' move to the Jets is off. Well, it broke at halftime what you're talking about, but yes. Yeah. Dimi Petrados' move to the Jets is off. He's now gone to... Ulsan Hyundai. Yes, and a lot of the fans were going, who? Oh, hang on, we've got a new kid. Yeah, well, this is actually <laughs> the team the Raw have played in the Champions League. I think it was the first year. It was, yeah. Or was it the second yeah. time? No, it was the first time because the second was Sue won. And actually, we we'll knock on wood here, but if the Raw shall happen to win this Champions League game tonight, they actually would be in the same group again. So yep. there you go. And speaking of tonight's Champions League qualifier, in between these segments, we are going to record a Facebook uh, video preview or something like to that effect. Yeah, so there'll be no mention of the, it on here tonight yep. because basically this will be released tomorrow morning, Thursday. We might throw the pics or something in there, but that's about it. Anyway, Adam, are you surprised by Petrados going? Look, I am. Um, yeah, it's a, I didn't think he would actually, a club like, a Kaylee club like Ulsan would be in for it. Obviously, they're trying to pad up their sort of three plus one. But I think it's a great move for, for, for Demi. I think, um, look, I hear that Jets are being compensated for that. And also as well, you know, the Raw get a transfer fee, which I don't think anyone expected. So it might be meagre compared to sort of, you know, the mega bucks are floating around. But, you know, at the end, I think it's a good move for all. I think we wish him well. And, you know, it's always good to have an Australian playing in the K-League. And, well, yeah, Petrados is one of those guys we've seen grow in his time in Brisbane. But... Yeah, the transfer fee is reported to be at around 300000 Australian, but it's going to actually be split between yeah. the Jets and the Raw. And I kind of feel like the Raw getting any sort of money for a guy that was supposed to be leaving on a free yeah. is, well, it's better than nothing. Exactly. Mm. He was gone for free in four months. So, But how do you reckon it's going to be split? I, I, I have heard a few different splits. Apparently, New, I've heard anything from Newcastle get a 50-50 split to a nominal split. I think it's been closer to 50-50, but... If I were the Jets, I'd be holding out 50-50 yeah, I mean, because... Look, I mean, and uh, fair play to Newcastle for agreeing to release him from his deal as well because they didn't have to do that. I mean, this deal clearly came up in the last couple of days, so... Which actually... Then, like, I remember we were talking about it on Monday and saying, oh, is it just going to be like a one-season yeah. deal? He comes back to the Jets in November or something. I think fit I heard and firing. two years for... Yeah. Two-year deal over in South Korea for Dimmy. And we would also like to congratulate Petrados on his move to one of the Melbourne clubs in 18 months. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so five Raw players have been named in the Young Socceroos squad. We've got goalkeeper Macklin Freak, fullback Dane Ingham, defender Aaron Reardon, midfielder Aaron Sawyer, and winger Daniel Leck. I got every name right. Excellent. No, you said Aaron Sawyer. It was Adam, Adam, Adam Sawyer. Sawyer. Oh, come <laughs> on. <laughs> there you go. Oh, that's what I get for celebrating yeah. too early. Yeah, so they're in a training camp at the moment for the under-20s. I'm not sure what tournament's coming up for the under-20s, but they're in a training camp in Canberra this week, so... Yeah. 
It'd be interesting to see what happens. I suppose it's a good way to keep these yeah. young guys fit. Small, I think it's like a NYL select team, basically, but bringing them in and just getting them used to playing with one another ahead of future tournaments. We should actually want them doing anyway, so... Yeah, Scott, do you want to hit the aircon? Because that's starting okay. to rattle again. I think we'll be fine yeah. with the fan. We've been fine so far. FIFA and the FFA are going back and forth at the moment. And Adam, do you want to tell us a little bit about what's going on there? Oh, look, um, it's, I guess it's something, an issue that's sort of been bubbling sort of below the surface. You know, obviously, you know, corporate go- sort of a, a governing body governance is not really sort of, you know, a hot-button issue. But I think it's come to a head where basically, you know, the, the, I heard a stat that apparently the, the, the FFA have the least elected officials sort of in a governing body in the world. And there's, and there's some despot ones out there. Like you can think of North Korea FA. Apparently, they've got more transparency than what the, the FFA have had. So, apparently, um, well, not apparently, but Frank, Frank, Lo- ah, Stephen Lowy and David Gallup uh, went, up, went up to Zurich. And uh, apparently, I'd, I'd say that they got the right act um, read yeah, to them because like all of a sudden they've come back and, and there's going to be an extraordinary general meeting where the constitution will be changed to be sort of more, uh, more votes in the membership of the, what they're calling the FFA Congress in, in, I think it's late March, I think, I did believe. Hmm. Well, that's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because well, I know the clubs look. aren't happy with yeah. how it's been going down at the moment. So Clubs aren't happy generally it's with the way the FFA are doing things at the moment. But this could also, I know we're talking about the moment, expansion. That This could put expansion on the back burner as well until this whole board process or whatever it is. Well, it's funny you mention about. that because I've seen a few rumours circulating today that they're going to delay the release of the expansion criteria, which is really what every football fan wanted mm. to hear. It's absolutely ridiculous because if they, if, they, if they started it now, they could have bids ready by... By the end of the year, basically, and maybe you could even say, "Hey, let's just pick say, say it's South Melbourne and South Sydney or something, just to name two. You can say, "All right, so they're going to be in in eight, in twelve months' time for 2018-19. Well, we'll put them in now in the youth league. Yeah. And then you've got they've got a team that they can support in the competition. They can grow some players for themselves, and yeah, we get them up and running quicker. But it sounds like it's on the back burner, which is a which is a shame because I think everyone wants expansion. And I think it was Simon Hill who actually had a really good argument did, on yeah. this uh, on Fox Sports today. He was saying, you know, the A-League's really struggling for air at the moment. And it seems like the common consensus across the board is that there's just not enough teams anymore. Everyone's gotten a little bit bored of the playing each other three times, which I still think they need to do. But if you're playing each other once every 10 weeks instead of once every eight weeks or whatever it is, it just gives yourself a little bit more of a break in the action. Yeah, look, I think yeah, there's plenty, and that's as we said before, that you know, they don't need more negative um, headlines where it is, because at the moment, the general consensus is that the FFA has sort of fallen asleep in the wheel. You know, the threat of you know, Big Bash, the AFL you know, Women's League, as far as you know, as a threat to the W League and all that, and there's a lot of things going on at the moment you know, that we just think, you know, what are the FFA doing? You know, Seems very stagnant, doesn't yeah. it? And, and I think there's also as well, and I think they were that they were trying to fight this as well and trying to keep sort of you know the status quo. But I think the I reckon that you know Infantino, Infantino, sorry, the, the threat that he probably put out is that you know, and the worst case scenario was suspending the FFA, which would have had massive ramifications for the Socceroos come March. So I think that might have been the threat that said, you know what, get your house in order, and all of a sudden now the FFA are all of a sudden talking about expanding the um, the Congress. Yeah, so that's going to that's gonna be an interesting story to follow, especially because it could have potential implications on the Socceroos. And I suppose, would it have any sort of impact on the Australian clubs in the Continental Champions League? I think it might. Or Actually, Asian Champions I'm, League, if I don't want to sound like a complete idiot. 
I think it might, because I'm just trying to recall whether Indonesia, because um, Indonesia have only recently had a um, ban lifted from, from FIFA. So I got a feeling, I think it would cover everything. So not international, but club participation as well. So there's a lot on, on the line here just for, for the FFA to so get their house in order governance-wise. Bottom line, I think if the clubs and the players need to get a say in the way the game is run, even if it's only a small say, I think that's a good step. Because yeah. at the moment, the club seem to be just told this is how it's going to be. One, one vote. It's not good enough. One vote of 10. That's the combined. Yeah. That's a combined A-League. No W-League. No referees. No fans on that. You know, it's basically the FFA and the nine member federations. And I, I, there's a million stories out there, the horror stories of you know, of those federations, the way they're acting. So to have one vote of nine is not good. Mm. And you sort of wonder if eventually it might head the same way as England did with the independent Premier League away from the FA. I think that's been the story for a long time. I think it was said at the time it was not appropriate given the finances of the game back in 2005. It might be time to reconsider that now. Personally, I think I think it's the way to go, but that's, I think it's another conversation for another time. Yeah, the one thing that does kind of surprise me about that, though, is just... Like, the A-League clubs feel like they're really growing in, I suppose, confidence... And it's a really disappointing way for the middle of the, well, I suppose, you know, middle of the season to really be playing out because we had such a really encouraging start. You know, crowds were up, viewers were up, everything seemed to be going well, and now it's... And it seems to have dipped in about mm. December when the that hit and giggle cricket started and it's struggling to get itself back now. Uh, and with all the three winter codes starting yeah. up soon, it's going to be even tougher. So uh, this weekend, we're actually in for a fairly decent uh, heat wave in Brisbane and it's led to Football Queensland cancelling some of the games this weekend. So the junior boys fixtures have been postponed to the end of September. Junior girls pre-season cancelled. Is this something we'd like to see the A-League maybe look at doing? Maybe postponing fixtures yeah. when it's going it's to be stupidly hot? Football Queensland making a good decision in the A-League not... I mean, this is a completely sensible and logical decision from Football Queensland. It's absolutely the right decision and you, FFA should be following them in terms of moving A-League games to better times. I think, mm. actually, we also saw that on on Sunday with the W-League game kicking off at 8pm. It was a far better spectacle than it might have been a no. mid-afternoon game, for example. So maybe they have learned a lesson slightly from that. Well, this is from the Bureau of Meteorology, so blame them if it's not right. But the forecast for Saturday, 36 degrees. Sunday, 38. Yeah, that's not football weather. No, that's not, it. That's not any sport weather. No. Look, I just think at the end of the day, thank thank goodness for you know common sense you know like i said you don't want kids you know it's one thing for professionals and that, that that's a we touched on last week but you now for kids to be out in that heat particularly if it's and pre-season I mean, it is it is yeah. common sense and thankfully that you now football queensland has seen that common sense all right so uh the draw for the npl final series in september was done on tuesday and this is from the ffa facebook page the confirmed draw is south australia are going to play new south wales football west are going to play victoria capital football against northern new south wales and Queensland, which I believe we'll have a specific interest in, is going to be playing Tasmania. Yep, so this is the MPL final series, so it's the Premier's winner of the regular season. It's the top in every, in every state gets into this competition, and the winner of this gets into the FFA Cup, so it's a tremendous prize for people. I think the last couple of years, the, the um, Queensland have been playing Northern New South Wales, so this is a slight change, but mm. it'll be interesting because it's good to see what how each state compares relatively. So it'd be good to see a different state against Queensland. And I'll be interested to see how it goes because uh, Mark Rudan, Sydney, United 58 have just been absolutely dominant lately, haven't they? Yes, they have been. So. Hmm. Now, one I think la- New South Wales generally has been, but yeah. Yeah. All right, so one last story. We've got Enrique leaving Adelaide for a team in Thailand. Are you a little bit disappointed he didn't at least look at coming back to the Raw? Uh, no, actually, I think uh, he... 
I think coming back to Adelaide, I think might have been a stopgap solution after, you know, for whatever reason, he left Malaysia in the first place. But um, look, at the end of the day, you know, I think if he, I think he's always was chasing overseas contracts. And, you know, good on you know, I'm sure he'll go well at China Roy United. Yeah. Hopefully he does go well there. One other very brief one is I'm just like Mohamed Adnan. He's also moved it from from Qatar Al Akhli to his homeland Al Hid. I think I think it's Al Hid back in in Bahrain, which is the club he played for for about five years after he left the Raw. He went to Qatar briefly. Now he's back in his homeland. So good luck to both of them. Yeah, yeah. and I got to say, like Enrique is one of those ex Raw players that you just really yeah. want to have success no matter where yep. he goes, Absolutely. It, unless it's Melbourne. <laughs> And on that note, actually, no, we've got a couple of little bits of breaking news. We've got a statement from Melbourne City, which uh, Adam's just bringing up right now. So it's just about the five-match ban for Dean Bazanis that we mentioned in the last segment. Yep, so um, a statement's been released by Melbourne City, and basically it goes, uh, Melbourne City and Dean Bazanis acknowledge and fully accept a suspension of five matches, handed down to the club's goalkeeper by the Independent Discipline Committee of the FFA on Wednesday evening. And then there's also a quotation from Bazanis, which is quite sort of interesting, um, he says, I have accepted the sanction handed down this evening. I have apologised to Borussia and Melbourne Victory directly, and I'd like to also take this opportunity to extend my apology to the fans and the broader Australian football community. Good for him. And also one other news story that just popped up in the last little bit. Eric Pardel is weighing up a move to Iran per SBS, having knocked back a couple of short-term contracts from uh, Australian clubs. Yeah, so he's left the Qatari club as well in the recent window. So. All right, so that's going to do it for segment three of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Segment four of the Brisbane Football Review here in the Switch 1197 Studios for the Outside 90 Fan Network. James Scott and Adam here, and we're going to take you through the Melbourne City game. Now, as we mentioned before, we're going to skip over tonight's Shanghai Champions League qualifier, just because by the time you listen to this, we'll already know the result, and we'll just say, good job, Raw, great draw, or well done, Shanghai. Well, it can't be a draw. Well, you know, penalties or whatever. <laughs> it's been a long week, all right? I, I'm exhausted after Monday. It was a very draining day. <laughs> Alright, so Saturday, 6.50pm at Amy Park. The Raw did want this game postponed, but it's still at the original time. All-time stats, so they've played 20, won 8, drawn 8, lost 4. In Melbourne, though, it's pretty much been all city, so they've won 1, lost 6, drawn 2. The only win was the very first visit when they were Melbourne Heart, and the Raw haven't won in Melbourne since January 24, 2014. And it's, yeah, been 9 games, so... Before we get into that, Scott's just reminded me we need to do the plugs. Very smooth radio production. <laughs> I was production. thinking that. <laughs> I totally subtle missed that. Subtle around here. Oh, yeah, subtle as a sledgehammer. So, Scott, how can people get in contact with okay, us? Okay, so... All right, so if you listen to our podcast, that's obviously on Audio Boom and iTunes, but you can listen to it on Switch 1197 now, social media networks on Facebook.com, slash Brisbane Football Review, Twitter at Raw Review, and obviously James. You can come down and talk to James after a game, win, lose, or draw. Yes, especially after a loss, because I don't yep. think the fans are going to be in that good of a mood after that. But we haven't had to deal with that just yet. 
And uh, yeah, thank you to everyone that's participated so far. We had some really good ones on Friday night, I thought. Scott, you were there for that? Yeah, slight technical difficulties as well in putting it together. But so apologies for, get, for such a late delivery. But but yeah, check it out. It's on our Facebook page and on our YouTube channel as well, Brisbane Football Review. They're really good, yeah. I'd say, even with my editing skills. All right, so Amy Park playing surface issues. We were talking about something at Suncorp, but... Uh, Amy Park, they've had some Bruce Springsteen concerts. Yes, they had a Springsteen concert last week, I believe, Wednesday or something. So it's a and week it, and a half, hence, which is roughly the same amount of recovery time that Suncorp had post-Coldplay. So. And also, given the uh, length of a Bruce Springsteen concert, I think it finished this morning. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, you know, given Bruce Springsteen's demographic, I'm fairly certain there are a lot of uh, News Limited and Fairfax reporters there just wanting to go and see their idol. Hmm. <laughs> It was funny. You said that. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, the running gag is uh, like he's the mascot for the Baseball Writers Association in America, and oh, okay. when when he did the Super Bowl Forty Three halftime show, there were jokes that it was the only time every single reporter in the stadium has not moved during halftime. Usually, they'll all go and get a feed, but they had to stay and see Springsteen. <laughs> anyway, back to the Raw. How are we expecting to back them to back up from Shanghai? Well, that's the interesting thing because they obviously have left five players behind, but we get to that in a minute. So I think it's going to be a, a completely changed side again. I think it'll be something similar to the side we put out against Global FC last week, with the exception maybe Theo will be in, obviously Brett Holman will be in, yeah, so et those, cetera, those guys five that James is about to read out will probably play. Yep, those five players that have uh, been left behind from the Shanghai trip. So Michael Theo, expected to start in goals. Brett Holman, a little bit of a surprise there because he's working his way back into form. Probably would have taken him if we had known Petratus was leaving, but yeah. Yep, Manuel Arana, Jacob Pepper, and Joey Katabian, who yeah. he may not be well enough yeah. to play. I think he's more just left at home to recover, but yeah. Because that was a brutal hit. Yeah. But yeah, Adam, what are you expecting from the Raw's approach to this game? Look, I think um, uh, it's one of those ones where, you know what, when they would have done the planning, they thought, oh, it might be tough, you know, maybe you know, be happy with a maybe happy with sort of, you know, a draw, you know, especially on the quick backup from, from Shanghai. But as fortune have it, all of a sudden the circumstance changed. I think that would be actually fairly confident they can win it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, considering all the players that City are missing, so we're going to go through the list, which might not actually be comprehensive considering another player might have gotten suspended in the last 10 or so <laughs> minutes. But just from suspension, so it's Manny Musket, Osama Malik, Tim Cahill, Fernando Brandan, Bruno Fornaroli. Did I mention him twice? No, that's just me. And then we've also got Dean Bazanis yep. missing as well. And Mikhail Jakobsen left yep. the game injured. So You can add in also um, Corey Gamero and Steve Kuzminowski there out with long-term knee injuries. And Gamero would have been the perfect replacement for them up front with Cahill and Fornaroli out. So they're down to their fourth-choice striker. So it really could be a youth team matchup because yeah. Aloisi said a while ago he was just going to play his youth team in this game just purely because of the lack of, I suppose, recovery time yeah. from Shanghai. Because I think... Well, they're not able to get a flight until Thursday morning, and yeah, then it's, it's a long trip back. It is. Oh, so it'd be a Thursday, yeah, Thursday night flight as they normally are from Asia. So it's, um, yeah, they're going to be hitting the ground running fairly quickly. So, um, yeah, look, it's going to be it's going to be tough. But like I said, I think Fortune may have to, you know, for, favoured to the raw here, where you know I think, you know, a week ago they were thinking, oh, this is going to be tough, you know, especially Melbourne City in form. But all of a sudden, having no, a good part. Like, so they're not. We're not talking about now. One, two. Like, this is the entire half the side. Yeah. side. No, and like I said, you got you know Tim Cahill. You got Bruno Fornaroli. Probably the two most influential players in that side. Not playing. It's the spine of their side. It, it is. Yeah, like I said, they. Yeah, like I said, the keeper, all, the centre back, the midfield, and the and the striker. That's the spine of their side. Yeah. No. All, all of a sudden, they're thinking. You know what? Not only you now they think, we I think they actually will probably start favourites. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, you could very well see that. It's an absolute gift for the Raw, this, mm. these yellow cards last week. Oh, yeah, I think we were watching the derby, just keeping track, going, okay, <laughs> yeah. he's gone, he's yeah. gone, he's gone. Yeah. And then the next thing we know, like, yeah, they're missing, essentially, as you said, a whole squad. The Raw are suffering from a little bit of a suspension problem as well. Yeah. They are missing Jade North. Yeah. And that's it through suspension. Yeah, and they will also be missing a whole bunch of players. But you wouldn't, be playing you wouldn't tonight have, as well. They but won't even, be backing up. even so, you wouldn't probably wouldn't expect Jade North to play. This would be game five in fifteen days. Yeah. So everyone I think, else has had a rest except for him. Yeah, I think yeah, even with suspension, yeah, I, I don't think he was going to start in, in Melbourne anyway. So he well, gets a holiday. Well, I'm trying to think. Like the Raw are still going to be in a position to at least name a fairly strong bench. Like you're yeah. probably going to wind up with, I would say maybe Tommy Orr on the bench. You could even put Thomas Broich on there as well. Yeah. And depending on how you want to do the starters, you may even wind up with either D'Agostino or even Shannon Brady up top and Jamie McLaren off the bench to come off and run at them in the last few minutes. I'm not sure we'll see anybody who's starting tonight in Shanghai. And if we don't know who that is, we've got a fair idea based on the squad who's gone. I don't think any of those guys will be starting in in Melbourne on Saturday night. It's it's too quick of a turnaround to land on a Friday night. Or Friday early, late afternoon, I think it is. And then back up 24 hours later and play. It's just there's not enough time, so... Mm. And, well, I suppose you probably wouldn't also see Dane Ingham, who started against Global, because he would have just been coming back from that training camp at the AIS. I have to check the dates. I think it's February 6th till the 9th, which means it finishes tomorrow, so it's perfect for him, so... I suppose it also comes down to how intense the training yeah. camp was. And, al- and also, as well, you'd, you'd expect that, you know, some, maybe perhaps some of the um, Melbourne City players that will... That That's you know that point, will yeah. actually will also come from that camp. You know, a guy uh, plays like sort of Jerry Slidios, and you know, yeah, yeah like I say, it, it'll be it'll be a, a number of players that I guess unless you follow youth league, you're not going to recognise. You know, in that sort, and that that is how big and how um, how big a loss that now these players are going to be. And if our outside ninety friends at Talking City are listening, we may have to exchange some messages during the game, going, "Who's that?" Yeah. <laughs> Luckily for us, we actually, we actually uh, followed Melbourne yeah. City in their battles with the Raw in the Youth League. So I think we may, we may see... Um, Still confused as to who some of the players are, though. <laughs> yeah, well, one youth player that I actually... Well, two youth players that I really want to see have a go, Shannon Brady yep. and Joe Coletti. Well, you might see both of them off the bench tonight, but I hope they get a good run against Melbourne City as well. Because mm, Coletti, like, I was really impressed in his time against um, Global. And a couple of my friends I was sitting with wanted to actually adopt him because he looks about 15. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, he just reminded me a little bit of a mini Matt Mackay, just that energizer bunny running around just without the expletives directed at opponents and match officials. All right, so let's get on to um, other A-League fixtures. We're just going to go through those quickly. Tomorrow night, Thursday, Sydney FC are playing Wellington. Adelaide Perth are playing uh, Friday night. Jets against Victory, Saturday in the early kickoff, so 4.35pm Brisbane time. And the Sunday fixture is Western Sydney against Central Coast Mariners. All right, so we've got a couple of predictions we need to go through, so... General thoughts from around the A-League. We're going to start off with Adam. Um, look, I think, I think Western Sydney Wanderers, uh, Central Coast Mariners on Sunday, that might be you know, almost, I guess now by default, almost the game of the round, only because we've we got, we got both teams to sort of be in form. I think you know, we're, going, we're going to learn a lot about these two sides through this, through this game. You know, whether the Mariners' rise is, you know, is for real, or, and you know, especially with the Wanderers. You know, and I think... Um, yeah, this could be an interesting um, turn of events in that game. I was going to say that game, but now I won't. I'll go with the Jets and the victory game. It's very similar. Victory, are, they, might, they might have turned a corner after their own rough patch of form. And Newcastle, they're very good at home and they're not so good away. If they're going to make a push for the finals, they have to keep winning at home no matter who they're playing. And you feel like any good team is going to, be able to, is going to have to be able to travel. Yeah. And I suppose, as a side note, we're starting to see that a little bit more from the Raw this year. They're, yeah, the road form is pretty good. 
Mm, I mean, they still have that anomaly to Newcastle, but they did fight back against the victory and whatnot. My A-League prediction is going to be Sydney FC, Wellington. Sydney just keeps going, marching on. I know it's putting myself out there on, on the ledge, but, you know... All right, so we're going to do our two lots of raw predictions so far. We're going to start off with tonight's game against Shanghai. So we're still about two and a bit hours away from kickoff, if anyone actually nails it exactly on. So, Adam? I'm going to go Shanghai Shenhua 2, Britain Raw 1 after extra time. Uh, yeah, Scott? I'm going to say 1-0 in normal time to the Raw. I'm, for some reason, I'm confident about this game. We'll probably get to it on the... Preview, but yeah. I'm going to say 1-0 Shanghai. I wish I was more confident, but I just feel like the maybe I'm just getting sold by the names on paper. Have but some faith, you two. Come on. I do have Tempers faith. That's why I said 1-0. Tempers will be in Devere's pocket. It'll be fine. We actually had a couple of really good comments at the fan cam saying, oh, you know, just Tevez scored against that Sydney Premier League, National Premier League side in the... Sydney United, yep. Yeah. 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 No, so, no. you know, he'll be fine against yeah. the Raw. No problem. Yep, so what did I say? It was a 1-0 loss. You did. James is writing these down now. Yeah, we've, <laughs> still, we've still got our picks stuff that we're actually tracking. We should publish that one week so people can yeah. see how we're going. Well, I didn't think, one of you get it right who? last week? The... Well, I got, I got the, I got the uh, Champions League results. So. That's right. I think, didn't you get the... Oh. Well, we all got the Champions League winner correct. I think yeah. Adam got the score right, which is why I remember him celebrating when D'Agostino hit the post at <laughs> 6-0. I'm not having this just getting the result right. You've got to get the score right. That's... Well, we're set, well, the way we're scoring is three points for the exact score and one for the correct winner or draw pick. I'm trying to get James to change that. Yeah, but I've already got it set up on a spreadsheet, so no. <laughs> That's exactly. And all right, so we're going to go on to the A League picks now. Adam, what are you thinking for Saturday night? I think um, Brisbane Raw three, Melbourne City one. I'll say two one to the Raw. I'm going to echo Scott since your picks have been pretty much spot on so far Dang this it, year. Now it's wrong. <laughs> yeah, don't trust my picks. So that's 2-1 to the Raw for both Scott and I. And, yeah, I think that's going to be it for this show. Adam, you're about to leave us for three weeks, so, so have you got any uh, leave, lasting messages you want to leave us with? Oh, I'll be, I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Have like, a good uh, trip where you're going. Adam, yeah, where off, are you heading? I'm off uh, to Mexico and the US for a couple of weeks, so I might, might uh, have some, something in the third week of uh, my vacation for you, but, uh, yeah, well-deserved holiday. Yeah, definitely well-deserved. You've been putting in the hard yards lately, so... We're going to miss you, but that means we're going to have a few uh, guest hosts soon over the next few weeks. So looking forward to it. I hope they don't show us up. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have so to. So our position is safe. It's Adams who's not going to be here. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to get Drew Bledsoe. <laughs> yeah. That's four references. Hey, again, can you blame me this week? I'm still gloating. And actually, on that final note, I've got to say, with the way the Patriots won their last two oh, Super Bowls, Brisbane Raw, you've got to step up the next time you're <laughs> in the A-League Grand Final because... You know, the Patriots have been really tense. So have the Raw. I just can't wait to see what happens next when the Raw are playing for the toilet seat trophy. And I know they will be either this year or next. We can only hope. Yeah, with my predictions, that means they're going to get the wooden spoon (laughs) next year. (laughs) (laughs) And on that extra positive note, that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Scott, Adam, thanks for your time tonight. Adam, enjoy your trip. Please uh, come back in one piece. (laughs) I'll try. And we will... Thanks for listening to the Brisbane Football Review. Enjoy the football this weekend. This is the Brisbane Football Review. Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. 
set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today.